Hello. Hi, this is uh, Fam Electric Ghost. We have Forest Hills on the line. What's up? How you doing? How you doing? So doing it's, well. <laughs> so it's our second interview, and you guys got a brand new record out. Yep. So you have the new record, Renegade, which you have on um, CD. Do you have it on vinyl, too? Uh, not yet. We currently don't do our records on vinyl, but as our band grows, we are open to starting to release vinyl. But we do have CDs for now. That's cool. Yeah, I, I was reading your website and, and your kind of, you know, and also some of your Instagram postings, kind of telling your fans about, you know, the nature of what we had talked about at the end of our last podcast is like the way the music industry is. It's mm-hmm. a lot more advantageous for bands if, if the fans buy the, the CDs through, you know, the band's own websites or right. buy your merch or buy your, your ability to, you know, to support the band is more uh, relevant than if just doing it on Spotify or Apple Music. Absolutely. So, so you guys are excited about this new, how long did it take to put this new record together? I mean, usually we're pretty far ahead of ourselves. Like, we just released our second album and we're already recording our third. Like, we're usually at least one or two albums ahead of whatever we're currently releasing. I'd say Renegade, I mean, it released a year after Break Free did, a little bit over a year. So it, it probably took us maybe like 12 months to really write and record everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know the feeling. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the total creative zone. I, 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 I got like three albums in the can. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I, I know you, I'm kind of a little too crazy kind of Prince was my my mentor <laughs> in terms nice. of like how you should record like every day <laughs> yeah um so yeah so I'm kind of crazy that way I got too much material so I, I get the feeling but it's cool that you know that you're that productive because there's some some guys some bands are like always oh, takes a long time to get ideas you know it seems like you guys got a lot of a lot of good ideas you know that you're, you're you, you you don't seem to be running out of inspiration well, since there's two of us too, that keeps like bands that have four or five, excuse me, four or five people in them, it takes more time because you have more people to go through and it, it's just a lot more gears in the machine. It's a longer process. Whereas, like, you know, our band being a duo and I do everything except the drums, it's a lot easier for me. Like, I just come up with a song and I kind of already creatively know where I want that to go. I think the drums honestly take the longest because it's yeah. about Jack figuring out how to work. Well, with... I have to learn the song. Like, yeah. you created it, so you know it from inside out, where I have to kind of learn it from inside out. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely like drums is the longest process for us because those happen last and those are kind of made to fit with all the material that's already there. Um, but no, like I've written over a thousand songs and so we definitely stay ahead of ourselves and just have like a lot of material. And I mean, it works, you know, if we ever hit, you know, a creative rut, which I don't think we ever will, but if that ever happens where there's some writer's block, we have job security because there's a lot of songs already there to just, you know, work with. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Cause I, I got a day gig, you know, where I'm in the programming and stuff. So having a lot of material, I can keep on pushing things out if I get I'm stuck on a project. Yeah, <laughs> in right. my in my day gig. But um, I like the feel. I was listening to the album. You know, and I, I know you guys don't like the like name check references, but I I kind of got a feel. You know, one of my favorite bands of all time was like Who's Do. And I had this kind of feel like with the way you're running through things on this record, it kind of reminded me of like Zen Arcade and the kind of feel of it. It had this really cool kind of um, that kind of punk aesthetic that I like. Um, Dope. Thank you. That's a, that's a huge compliment. 
especially for Jack. Oh, yeah. He loves music. <laughs> Jack loves yeah, music. You know, any, anytime somebody can hear somebody else's like previous music and ours, like it's always a huge compliment. Like we don't, we never mind hearing. Yeah, it, we're people not relating. offended by it. Yeah. yeah, if someone's like, "Oh wow, you sound like this band that I really love," I always take it's that like, as a compliment because you're <laughs> saying I sound like something that you like. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I like. like uh, that's the interesting thing today, and in, in, in today's world where things are so kind of processed. And you got bands that are like, you know, really tied to like, you know, using Ableton or using Pro Tools and they've got all these backing tracks. It's kind of refreshing to hear something that's more, you know, got this kind of CBGB feel, you know, mm-hmm. sure. that, that that always kind of keys me off because I, I like that. You know, that's the reason why I like Nirvana. I think that's why people dug Nirvana after right. the accesses of like New Wave and Heavy Metal then you had something that was more true. Right. Do you guys, I know we talked about this before, but do you feel like that, that type of songwriting is that that's what appeals to you the most? Like in the way you write, did they kind of feel to have that kind of freedom to not like maybe overdo production, but kind of have a more honest I mean, I used to work as a solo pop artist. I was in the pop industry for a while. I actually had a record label offer a deal to me. So I was in that industry for a while. You know, I used to use auto tune. We used processing. We had, you know, lots of digital stuff going on and that was totally fine. But the kind of music that's in my heart and that I knew I wanted to make with Forest Hills was always just genuine. You know, it it is what it is. We don't use any fake instruments. The vocals Mm -hmm. are never processed. They it truly is who we are and how we sound as musicians. You know, if you can't get on stage and recreate your songs exactly as they are, clearly mm-hmm. something is amiss in your creativity. But yeah, it all depends on sound and genre. Yeah, and like as far as like drums, I mean, I've been around producers that have, like sometimes bands will pay the producers to complete their songs and yeah. you know, the producer will actually record the drummer and then just rewrite the drums through like Ableton or something. And they'll sound great. Like the songs will sound great. Yeah, but yeah. It, it doesn't feel like that drummer. And so when you go and see them live, yeah, it, they don't sound the same. It's just not <laughs> the same feel. And I don't know. I like, like you said, honesty, you know, I want the person to, to be able to kind of tell that there's a human behind the instrument. And it's also not really like, we're not trying to be, you know, a new metal type. Like we're not trying to be a, a new genre or like the newer genres. Yeah, so yeah. we're not going for that sound of, you know, MIDI drums and no, we don't that's... try to sound a particular way. And again, it it really is just depending on what kind of sound you want. Like yeah. if you're in the pop industry, I'd say auto tune is almost a necessary tool yeah. because it helps make the vocal sound smoother. It just gives it that pop feel that like all pop songs have nowadays. So it's it's really contextual to what music you're making. But for four cells in particular, yeah. we just that that just isn't like for us. certain metal bands. Like you need a certain sound of kick drum to sound yeah. more metal that, that so machine you use triggers drums, like and yeah. there's nothing wrong with triggers they're not a cheat it's a it's a tool just like an effects pedal on a guitar yeah, it's, that's, it's that's a tool, what works for them you, you know? don't use it but that's what works for them and that's great this kind of like 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 i'm a kind of progressive synthesis you know and i'm i'm i'm, I'm always in kind of in a debate in my own mind between should i be using my mogs or my digital sense and right. then most of the time i go with the mode yeah because <laughs> sure. it's, 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 it's the same type of thing like if you're electronic musicians today they, they, they're always saying oh i'm an electronic musician when you look they, they got a cdj and they're using like ableton or pro tools and they got a soft synth and i kind of come from the era where electronic musician is kind of like keith emerson right. <laughs> or, or rick wakeman you know and and the idea that you're using these big you know 
you know, EMS, VC3s, or, or you know, Prophet 5s, you know, Dream Machine. The, the classic sense that those, those actually have a sound that is very organic, even though they're electronic. It's a different than electronic yeah. music today. Yeah, so yeah, the difference between a CD and a record, you know, both yeah. are great for their different reasons, but you know, the combination of the two, like it's fun to have something on CD and then listen to the record, or yeah, you know, yeah. it's yeah. fun to it's have that. Or even like, even again, between genres, like if you're doing EDM, having everything digitized makes total sense, but it's more about not getting stuck in that mindset of, oh, I'm making this, so I have to do it this way, yeah. you know, like let, let your yeah. options be open to you, don't force yourself to be one way or the other, you can use both. Yeah, I mean, because like if you're like what I'm a, because I do a lot of electronic music, I mean, I'll have like a digital synth to do strings or piano because right. that's what's going to work. You need a polyphonic synth that's going to do that or a synth that can do samples. But if I want a really heavy kind of parliament funkadelic bass line, I'm going to use a mini mode. Yeah. That's going to give me that sound. Uh, and so, you know, you, you use whatever tool services the song. And, you know, sometimes if you're doing something, you might use you know, certain voice treatments. I use voice coders, but I use them to create characters. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't use them for like auto-tune. I use them to create like 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 a, a method actor. And sure. so it's a different way of doing it, kind of like what Camille from Prince, that's my idea of you, or Sir Knows from George Clinton. That That's how I think you should use voice coders. <laughs> yeah, no, and like, I mean, I have a, an electronic, I have a Roland SPDSX on my drum kit pretty much all the time. So I'll use, you know, 808 drops if I want right. some percussive yeah. drums i'll throw the percussive drums on there like even for live shows i'll sometimes use some you know kind of freaky sounding pads that you kind of hear kind of don't in the background like yeah. it's just, you know it's fun to add some layers it's another layer yeah but so as a drummer that's interesting that you actually do bring 808s in that, yeah because like 808s are such a big thing it's 808 month this month but, you know it's 808 oh, yeah. day was a couple <laughs> rolling streets like me 808 day was a couple days ago yeah we were all kind of going crazy because uh, they like rolling gave us some free stuff. Uh, oh, sweet. For yeah. all the people who have the electronic drum machine, they issued like a FM synthesis version of the 808. That oh, sweet. That can do FM uh, synthesis. What the cool thing about the 808, just to go and diverge, but the fact that it's not sampled, it's it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a synthesizer creating what an interpretation of drums. Right. Which is, to me, is really more creative than potentially using sample drums because then you can kind of create things that don't exist no exactly and those are my favorite type of electronics like i've done a lot of score work and stuff for films and a lot of that like i don't have the budget to hire an orchestra or to hire a bunch of musicians so i have to use you know synthesized sounds and modulate stuff stretch stuff out you know so uh, I want to get into your, your new album to kind of go through it track by track. So if we start off with um, Renegade's, Renegade's first track, Blame, um, that, that sounds really kind of raw and it, it was cool because it had this honesty to it. It, it. Can you kind of get to like where that is coming from? Yeah, I mean, I mean, so yeah, I do everything in the band except the drums. So really what happens is I'll kind of write the song, give a rough demo of it to Jack and he'll make his drums where it lasts. But I mean, anytime that I'm writing a song of any kind, I'm always writing about something that I'm feeling or something I felt or an experience I've had. I, I never write about stuff that I don't know. Um, so, you know, that that applies to any song, even just outside of Blame. You know, for Blame in particular, I was going through like a rough bit of depression and just kind of felt like no matter what I was trying in life, it kind of was just making everything worse. And the only person I had to blame for it was myself. 
so I was kind of like in a bout of hopelessness. And I think, you know, the piano kind of really expresses that too, because it comes in very piano based with some rap. And then the guitars are very like drown out and like sad during the chorus. It kind of gets powerful. But yeah, the whole song is really just about feeling hopeless and down on your luck when you're trying to make things better, but it just seems to be making things worse. So I like that kind of, you know, the indie kind of, you know, singer songwriter nature of what you're doing is kind of a big draw to me in, in a world where everybody has like, you know, typical songs in this age are kind of like, it seem to be clip based, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you've got a song that's like heart based <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and more soul inner soul based, which is, that's kind of like the big draw that why I, I, I you know, listen to, you know, like IRS in SST as a kid, you know, trying to get that kind of real feel. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Like when I first started writing, I, I looked at a lot of songs because I was trying to learn how to write. And I noticed like so many songs, the vast majority are about like love or partying of some sort. And that's just not the kind of stuff that I want to write about. I don't write love songs. I don't do that. I don't write songs about going out to the club and partying. It's totally fine if other people do that. But I just felt like, that's such an oversaturated topic yeah. to write about. Whereas I could be letting people know that they're not alone when they're dealing with something really difficult, you know? Yeah. That was kind of big draw, like Lou Reed and the Velvets, you know, that when I was a kid, I said, well, like they, look at this band, this band is really getting into like New York counterculture and all these kind of dark tones and all this stuff that you would never talk about. Yeah, and, and I was like, I was super drawn to that because I was already a Dylan fan, and I loved his wordplay. But then I got into Lou Reed, and it's kind of minimalistic, kind of Warhol, you know, based scene. And then I was like, wow, that's that's what I like, you know. So yes. I was always looking for bands that were going that, you know, like Sonic Youth, kind of still go bands that would go that way, you know, that with that kind of um, intention, which was nice. It's not pop sensibility at all, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, sure. But Lou sometimes would have a song like Walk on the Wild Side. He's like, oh, yeah, he could. And then he'd still have his, his framework, which was not the typical pop song. <laughs> but it, yeah. would get, it, would, it, shows, it shows like if you don't necessarily have to use a pop formula, that if you're true to what you want to do as an artist, you can break through. Yeah. yeah that, unexpected, totally unexpected way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what would be like if uh, on on this album? Like, what's your favorite song on on the record? If you were going to point to to a song and say what you know in this project, what was this song that really kind of like clinched it for you? Like the, the song that you uh, would want people to kind of you know look at as maybe a. Uh, for me personally, like I'm equally proud of all of the songs that we did. As far as like the fans go everyone seems to be liking blame and riot a lot um my like i'd say personal favorite just because of the meaning for me is name calling um i definitely don't think it would be like the most popular song off the album um like it's not a bad song i just don't think it would be like the song that everyone's like oh yeah renegade name calling you gotta listen to it uh but just you know that that song is about like me being transgender and getting bullied and just it has uh, some very deep-rooted past issues for me personally uh, and then kind of like the end of the song is about refuting it saying like no I'm not a freak I'm not what you're calling me it's kind of like about standing up for yourself um, so that song has like a lot of 
more like deep rooted personal connection for me specifically. But what about you, Jack? Um, I mean, I really like name calling just because it is personal and it is powerful. Um, Hello is a very delicate song. And so it was actually really fun to write drums for because I only wrote it to piano because the song only has piano vocals and drums. So it was actually really fun to write drums to something that was just piano. Um, I don't know. There was a lot of really kind of more delicate parts in the album. And then there's a lot of very aggressive parts. So I like, I liked the contrast of it. Like I liked being able to start out with very minimalistic things like on blame and like hello. And a lot of songs where it'll be just like rim clicks and it'll just be very subtle, you know, less is more. And then it gets into parts where I get to go a little nuts and make it sound a little more raw and, you know, that more punk rock side of me. Um, So it's really fun being able to be like a classical jazz musician, but then also still like, you know, rock out. I feel like Break Free, like it kind of had songs that were in like a middle ground. Like there was a lot of variety, but I think Renee kind of explored the extreme areas of certain varieties that we had. Like all the elements are still there, but we explored more areas of them. I like let go a lot, but then I'm, yeah. I'm kind of in my kind of punk mode where I was. Yeah, that one, that one starts out pretty, pretty going. Got banging. the guitar solo. <laughs> that was fun yeah. to me. Yeah, I just like the. I like the. It, this kind of reminded me of used to do a lot. I, I, I always kind of get into that Zen arcade feeling, but um, <laughs> yeah, I just like the drive of that. Um, but yeah, this for this album because the Corona. Are you? do you have like an alternative method of uh like performing you know since you can't do shows are you going to do more like online stuff or i think i've seen that you guys got like a i think you have um uh uh, something on your website where i think you have a like a a thing people can join and then you you do like live concerts or something is that that what you're doing so we've been doing um live stream concerts every single month we have a patreon if you go to patreon.com slash forest hills uh we have it's basically a tier-based system uh all the tiers have the same benefit it's really about however much someone wants to help support our band but we have tiers starting at one dollar a month we have five bucks a month ten bucks a month and thirty bucks a month uh whichever one you choose it's totally up to you but uh the benefit is that every single month you get to come to a free private live stream concert that we do. Uh, we usually do it on what YouTube. Yep, YouTube. We host a private uh, show link and everyone gets the link via email and uh, they can come watch the concert. There's a chat room. We all get to talk. We do Q&A and we usually put like eight to ten songs. Uh, and yeah, if, if the person has to miss it that day, that's totally fine because we just uh, upload the video afterwards via a private share link and they can watch it later on, which is really cool, too. So where do you guys do that from? Where do you perform that? Like in your studio? Yeah, we have our music studio. So you've got it set up now with like web cameras and streaming capability. Yeah, we were actually planning to start doing live stream concerts like before the virus even happened. We were starting to get gear for it. And then Corona hit and it kind of just gave us even more of a platform to do something we were already planning to do. Um, but yeah, we do use a camera. We use like all of our nice audio equipment, our boards and stuff. So it's it's a nice hookup. We're making it better and better as time goes on. We too. even had a, this last one. We actually had a my I have a sound guy that's an amazing good friend of mine out in Oklahoma now. I knew him from Vegas, and he actually called us afterwards and was like, "Dude, I ran it through my car. I ran it through my headphones. I ran it through my stereo system, and I loved it." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like it's been really it's been really cool. Like 
getting it down better and better every time. Yeah, I mean, we definitely didn't want to be like one of those bands. Like a lot of bands go live and that's amazing, but a lot of them just kind of prop their phone up and use the like speaker that's on their phone and it sounds yeah, terrible because yeah. like, you yeah, can't yeah. hear anything. Whereas we have like professional quality camera and audio mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, I've been using like rolling mixers that allow me to connect my stuff to my, my bedroom studio. So yeah. I've been able to get a pretty good thing by coming right off my mixer board right into my camera. And the only okay. thing I'm, mo- I'm moving into is, um, yeah, they're making all this new, like, streaming equipment. And some of the cool stuff is they have some, like, video mixers that automatically detect, like, or can, like, if you have multiple camera angles, it'll kind mm-hmm. of rotate automatically through the camera angles. Yeah, those are really cool. So, if you're, so, so if you're doing a show, you can have, like, a camera pointed down on your keyboard or pointed at your guitar, pointed at your face, pointed at everything, and they will start to rotate around and some of them can actually, based on, you know, whatever volumes coming from one thing or, or emphasis, and you can control it to certain degrees. But yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that, yeah. that allow will allow people to do more professional looking and, and stuff that people would probably be willing to pay for, but yep. it will look closer to like, oh wow, it actually looks like something I watch on MTV. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, no, modern technology has come a long way within like yeah. the last let's say five years even. Yeah, yeah I feel like we've been having like, a broadcast. <laughs> yeah, stuff that could cost like ten thousand dollars you can get is like it's not that you know that kind of price anymore. You can get yeah. really good yeah. cameras, really good what you know, sound equipment and uh yeah, there's all kinds of places that allow you to host it and you know, do like Twitch and Facebook and YouTube. Uh, I've been pretty good about you know letting musicians do that. So you're using like YouTube is what you're using. Yeah, basically, I mean, well, YouTube and Instagram. We've done a combination. We've gone live on Instagram. We've gone yeah. live on Facebook. But for the private shows, we do it via YouTube. Yeah, I've been using Twitch lately because they have a pretty good wide angle. Um, mm-hmm. That I found that like if you want to do a big landscape view, that they have a pretty good uh, capability that captures a really good signal. Um, and it allows you to do it in a kind of widescreen format, like so you can get it like the full picture of all your gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the portrait mode is cool, but like I'm trying to get more widescreens, and some 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 of the apps don't yeah. do it much widescreen. Yeah. That's an issue with Instagram. You have to do it in portrait mode, otherwise mm-hmm. people just like have to yeah. turn the phone. Yeah, that's so. So if you've got a lot of, you know, I got a lot of boards. I got a lot of stuff. I want to go from one board to the next, and I, I gotta get out of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So so this whole, you said you've got other projects on the way, but um, so how long would you like wait to put out the next project compared, you know, to to, to focus on that? Since you've got a lot of stuff in the can, how much time do you usually give between projects to uh, like, give, give them life to like kind of be out there now yeah, independent, I mean, independent bands have to manage themselves they have to kind of figure out like, when am i gonna put my next thing out for our band like our first album came out in may of 2019 and so we've progressively been releasing one album per year uh we usually start advertising the release date for the album like six months prior to its release we like to let people know like way ahead of time um but yeah like at the current rate that we're growing uh and like creating i'd say once a year we should be dropping something yeah, so do you feel like once a year is a good, good, good kind of thing? You wouldn't want to go like two releases in the same year. No, I, I don't think we do more than once. A I year. mean, we do like music videos and lyric videos, and like you yeah, know, we, we, we try stay to active. space stuff out. Like we'll do like we dropped Renegade, and now we're starting to like release lyric videos and music videos for songs off of Renegade. So we keep releasing more content, but in terms of like 
releasing new music in and of itself, probably not more than once a year. We just we don't want to set the precedent for fans to be expecting five releases a year and then they get five releases one year, but then they get nothing the next because we're busy recording and writing because we went too fast, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been this album is really, I, I like it a lot. I've been listening to it all day. Um, like I said, I like Endless a lot and I like Let Go, but that's like what I've been kind of tight driving into myself. Right. But um, maybe, can you tell a story about maybe one of the songs on, on, the, on the record that was um, maybe the easiest song to record or maybe then the next, the hardest one? <laughs> I, I mean, probably the easiest for me was going to be Step Back, right? Step Back was pretty easy. Yeah, because it was... Well, Step Back is a song that I actually wrote a long time ago, like way before I met Jack, way before, like this was before I even really did pop music stuff. I had a uh, a demo album that I recorded and Step Back was one of the songs on it. I must have been like 15 years old or something. Um, and I, when I first met Jack, I showed him like some of these demo songs that I had and he really liked them. So actually like on our first album, Rain was also one of those songs. So occasionally we'll revitalize an old song of mine and do it but like the pieces are already there like the vocals are there the lyrics the guitars and all that it's really just about re-recording it and putting drums to it yeah the hardest part for step back was that when i first heard it i heard exactly what i wanted to put into it and so i had a very high expectation of exactly what i wanted to sound like and feel like and it took me a lot of like doing the same thing over and over again until it just no it has this well it has this sloshy big backbeat in it and if you push it or pull it that backbeat too much it just messes the whole thing up so yeah. it's it, it <laughs> chemistry but yeah definitely that song was probably the easiest to record in terms of the hardest i mean i know for you probably overcompensating right because of the trick at the end well that's just a little and i'd say um higher and endless because there are two songs that go together and there's a lot of like tempo oh, changes that yeah, one has a yeah. lot of higher and endless are technically dual tracks they're supposed to be listened to back to back they're actually attached to each other which is why like if you only listen to higher it sounds like it abruptly ends and endless sounds like it abruptly starts because they're really just meant to be listened to like like continuously oh, um, okay yeah yeah, yeah so probably for you yeah with all the tempo changes yeah it was just a lot of just like preparing yourself like a bar ahead of time for a change while still trying to make it sound natural so yeah. i don't i don't necessarily like edit things together i try to do single takes yeah. um so it well, was yeah, definitely a challenge it. yeah no i mean for me like again i write the music so i'm not gonna write something that's past my skill level as a musician or i'm not gonna try to sing something that's out of my range so all the songs are more or less the same for me in terms of difficulty um i would say probably recording riot had some challenges because i did write it in 2019 um, I do have some nerve damage in my arm and that affects my ability to play guitar and it's kind of gotten worse with time. So like recording that guitar for the final version, I did end up actually changing it a little bit because I just simply could not do the same strumming that I had wrote it with. Uh, but I think it ended up sounding better yeah. after I did that. It kind of had like a nice metal chugging to it in the end. So, I mean, yeah, no, there really were no songs. We did actually have a song that we scrapped. Yeah. Uh, it was called Changing Me. We initially planned to have 13 songs on Renegade, just like we did with Break Free. But there was a song called Changing Me, which is actually also another demo song that I wrote a long time ago. And it just something weird with like the timing was just not working in terms of Jack's drums. Yeah, we were kind of on a self deadline. So yeah, we, it was like we were nearing the end of production for all the other songs. And we were like, OK, we can either 
rush this song and try to get it on the album or we can just scrap it so that like the production doesn't suffer for this one song because we're rushing to get it out there so it's interesting when you um you go you go back in your catalog and you pull a song out and you kind of re reimagine it or re-record it um when you do that like it how how do you feel about like is, is it something about that song that made you feel like you wanted to go back to it again where you felt like you're going to change it to um you know fit, fit where you are now or where you felt like you, you wanted to kind of give it a different um you know chance or something you know, what's your motivation to go back into your back catalog and, and do that yeah i mean as long as i'm still capable of playing the song the way I wrote it I don't end up changing anything at all it's really just the drums that end up changing because it's Jack's drums instead of just you know my like little drum tunes that I was able to do back then um it's really just you know if I bothered to release the song it means that I liked it or at least felt connected to it at one point in time and it just kind of sitting there as a demo like it deserves to see the light of day if it was worth recording at all it's worth mm-hmm. beating a Forest Hills song so you don't change the lyrics in these older songs, you just add the drums, you don't change any other significant parts of them? No, for Step Back, I did add an extra section, but all of the other lyrics and all that were the same. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I find myself, sometimes I go back into my tapes because I was I had watched this documentary on, um, on Frank Zappa. And yeah. Frank Zappa was famous for recording all his concerts. And then he would go back to his house and on his reel to reel, you go and say, "Well, oh, this bit from this concert goes good with this," and he'd actually find like his songs by yeah. going over his live recordings and then figuring out like brand new material by reviewing his live stuff. So I, I find sometimes I like to go on Facebook Live and uh, ad hoc stream of consciousness performance, you know, record it and then go back and and pull like the, the 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 good grooves out of it <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i can do that when i'm like in the early stages of writing a new song but when a song is already written i mean my songs are like journals for me so that would essentially feel like going into a diary saying oh i don't like this diary i made three years ago i'm gonna erase it and uh, change what i wrote and it's like well you're kind of just changing the story at that point so i just i just leave it alone and let it be what it is mm-hmm and you just find find a way to maybe just add 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 more color to it with the drums or change. Didn't like, Terry oh. Bazio play with Frank Zappa? If I'm getting yeah. that right. Yeah. yeah, I love Terry Bazio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> missing, per- missing persons. Yes. Great, great, great new wave band. Well, I'm a big new wave person. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, that's cool. You know her. I, I, that that many people today would know know her. <laughs> yeah, Terry Bazio is awesome. His daughter even plays drums now. Actually, like he's he's great. Yeah, it's in the family. It's in the blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When Zappa was like a big influence, it's kind of like you know Parliament Funkadelic and in, in the in the Mothers are kind yeah. of like like where I like to go <laughs> with my music. Can they, that's a good roadmap. Can they go everywhere? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. So you like then that's the whole idea. Like expansive sound is like kind of a nod to that kind of ability. To, to kind of take any genre and just do whatever you want to do. And and I think that sometimes you don't hear that today as much. Um, sure. You know, I, I'm always looking at, well, who's going to be the next Frank Zappa or in that kind of vein? And you're like, I don't really see anybody doing that. <laughs> well, that's what but, actually drew me to Zero's music a lot because the style of music that he writes, I don't necessarily listen to because a lot of times the drumming specifically is very slow and just, 
it's just heavy drumming. There's nothing more yeah. than just heaviness to it. I'm like, well, but what if you buried that and added some lightness or added some energy to it rather than it just being dark and heavy? Our relationship as musicians is actually very interesting because like Jack, like you said, he wouldn't really listen to the type of music that I write. And at the same time, when I met him, I did not like his drumming at all. You know, like he showed me different clips of his drumming and I was like, this, this sucks. Like, I don't like this at all. But I saw his skill as a drummer and I'm like, okay, if you want to create something that is genuinely new, you can't just take a rock guitarist, a rock drummer, a rock bassist, a rock singer. It's just, it's going to sound generic. You have to have varying styles and tastes in there. So it was really interesting to kind of come together. And we had like immediate chemistry. I think we didn't really have to. We like, were determined. Yeah. Like we, we weren't, just, like we weren't, I was determined what? to write music. Zero was determined to write music. And when two people are determined to do something. It worked. We made it work. Like, you know, <laughs> chemicals, like they're going to, you're going to figure out what chemicals mix, even if you get a few wrong here and there. Right. So chemical romance. <laughs> well, I think that's the great thing when you, you know, you create a new project with somebody, another musician is the whole point is to kind of take that musical chemistry and, and figure out how, what that generates, you know? Yeah, sure. And, 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 you know, I think today in a world where you have so many producers doing cookie cutter of like everybody doing the same cookie cutter thing. Yeah. That, that is, you know, it's really kind of like mind numbing (laughs) or sound ear numbing um, because then you're like, Oh, I'm trying to hear, something more interesting and that's why i get drawn into underground music and stuff that's out on the web um you know the bands are not in the forefront of the business today but that's where you know to me everything's going on that's like you know the whole tradition of listening to somebody like a lou reed or listen to alex alex chilton and big star you know a band that never made it that 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 kind of story always appealed to me as like okay you know, like Paul Westerberg's replacements. I mean, that, yeah. that's the kind of feel that I'm always looking for because it's got that authenticity. And once in a while, it hits with the public and you get everybody seeing that Kurt Cobain was a genius. And then you're like, wow, that that was just like the, everything aligned. That, you know, he could have just been on SST forever, on, on, on SST type of label forever. Like a yeah. sub, sub pop, he could have been there forever. Um and, you know, but but people zoned in on it and like, wow, that's something real, you know. And I think you guys have that kind of real feel, you know. We try. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like artificial, you know, clip clone sampled, you know, <laughs> produced stuff. Um yeah. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's you know, some people that's what they want, but it's not me. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's what sound you're looking for. It's just, I, I never felt, and that's why I kind of got out of the pop industry. I just never felt satisfied as an artist. It is very cookie cutter. And every producer that works in the pop industry is just looking for a quick way to make a hit. You know, they, it's all about hits. They want singles. They just want fast money. They just want to get big quick. And like, at that point, you lose the artistry. Like, even if you are genuinely writing and trying to be as genuine as possible, it is very fake to an extent. Yeah, because I was even watching like documentaries about Motown, and mm-hmm. you know, and there was this whole thing where they were thinking of dropping Stevie Wonder. <laughs> yeah, they were gonna drop him because he wasn't making his quota. You know, he wasn't hitting as big as Marvin, wasn't as big as the Four Tops and the Temptations. But there was a songwriter, a female songwriter, who had come out of Berkeley, and she said Stevie's got got it. You know, he's he's a great songwriter. He's like, you can't just drop him. So she right. put, she actually stood up for him and said, I think he's going to be brilliant. 
And so the Barry Gordy said, okay, we won't drop him, but they were going to drop him. Yeah. <laughs> so that tells you how much, like, sometimes the industry. <laughs> no, that, and that's labels. I mean, a label is a business. You know, they, they care about the artist to an extent, but it's also about money. You know, if your business is not, not making money, they're going to get rid of whatever's not pulling it in. And so if they just saw an artist, like, it, it's good that he got very lucky that someone stood up for him because otherwise they were just going to look at him as a, a dollar sign. Yeah, I mean, that's what I like today about, like, this whole indie movement where, you know, bands like yourself, you, you can build your website, you can sell your album yourself, uh, that you're able to get out there. You're not dependent on some label saying, well, you know, if your third album isn't a hit, you know, you got to pay us back all the money and you're done. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's definitely like, and labels nowadays, I mean, there are pros and cons to signing with a label and it's really like a band or an artist's personal decision. But if a label says, hey, we want to give you a million dollars, it's because they know you're going to make three. So it's really a business investment of, okay, they've offered me something and I know I'm worth, you know, twice or three times or five times that much. Yeah. Do I want to just sign with them and just get rich quick, but probably make less in the end? Or am I going to spend the time and really build something for myself that's going to be everlasting? Yeah, it seems to be a sad story in the industry. Like you get like you'll have your zenith point as a big artist, right? You'll sell 10 yeah. million records. And then suddenly the record company acts like you could do that again. Yeah. And, and there's like no way you're ever going to do that again. And so then you end up for the rest of your career being in this kind of losing situation where they've got this expectation that you're going to do another hotel California or you're going to do another <laughs> rumors and there's no way yeah. you're going to do that. And so yeah, you're like then, a machine. Yeah. So you're on the machine and you're going to get like at the end of the day, you're going to not do well because they've set up the expectation. That's not realistic. Well, and those right. expectations kill creativity anyways. Like even if you, they got close like a lot of times just having that over your head makes it worse no yeah like, it's it's not a fire under your behind it's it's a giant concrete slab yeah. that's crushing you down <laughs> i mean there are even bands and artists that go broke from being signed i think maroon five was one of them mm -hmm. they got into debt from yeah. being with the label like they actually owed their label money just for being signed to them like it's crazy yeah it's just crazy when you like you get that fire that makes you create a rumors or you create you know that great album and then after that, it's like you're always just trying to what? Get, you know, you're trying to outdo yourself. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, fans will never, you know, they're fickle. They go from one thing to the next or they want you to do the same thing over and over um, in some some type pop genres. And it's like it's a losing battle. You've got to kind of just do what you feel is right as a and, yeah, and, everyone has to make that call between I'm either going to do this thing that's definitely going to sell or I'm going to do this thing that I actually want to do. And it's definitely not going to be as successful, but hopefully, you know, people will like it. Yeah. And that's the thing with fans is people don't like change. You know, people usually don't like discovering new things because new can be scary or they just, you know, they like being comfortable. I mean, that's why I like bands like, you know, AFI and My Chemical Romance and stuff like they've gone drastic directions like AFI was a hard punk band and then they went super like creative when december underground came out and it was very eccentric and very theatrical and it was nothing like their other music yeah. and then they kind of dabbled back and forth between the two like they did what they wanted and they've gained fans from both eras yeah like, whereas like my chemical room started out very very heavy rock yeah. almost like metal even and then at the end by danger days they were like pop punk party japanese <laughs> party yeah <laughs> And I'm a, I'm a Prince head, right? So I, I, I used to be in Minneapolis. I used to go to Paisley Park 
and actually Prince would go and play at like three o'clock in the morning. Oh wow! And, and like let people in, and and the thing that was weird, he had these diehard Prince fans that all they want to hear is 1999 and Purple Rain. Yeah, those really fans. Yeah, I was the kind. Of, I was the kind of Prince fan that wanted to hear the deeper stuff. Yeah, they wanted to hear his jazz explorations. They wanted to hear his power trio stuff. They wanted to hear his more funk based stuff. So, like when I go and he had the power trio up there, and then you get this guy like be like, "Oh, how come he's not doing Purple Rain?" What's like he's doing like Hendrixian and stuff. You know, yeah. he's he's doing the, all this funk like like maggot brain type stuff, and that's yeah. and then I'll be like, "That's that's I knew he could do that," and then that's why I, I always loved him because I knew he was like in that kind of zone. And and then you'd see these other people like oh they wanted him to be just doing 1999. Well, it's because there's fans of songs and then there's fans of artists. Like you're a fan of Prince as an artist and as a person. Other people that just want to hear Purple Rain, they're just fans of that song. Like they don't necessarily they're not a fan of him. They're a fan of his songs. Yeah, that's kind of we have fans like that where they'll hop in you know live that we do and they're like play introvert, play introvert, play introvert, and it's like the only song. Like they can only request that song, and it's like I'm glad that you like that song so much. But like we have two full albums out. Is there not a single other song of ours that you enjoy? Like it's fine if not, but you're not really a Forest Hills fan at that point. You just happen to like Introvert, you know? Well, Um, I think yeah, today with the kind of Spotify playlist audience, you tend to get people who are music fans. And they, they, I think they do confuse it. They think they're a fan of a band, and they're really a fan of a song, like you said. A single song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and they, 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 they haven't even listened to a lot of the artists that they like or say they like. They haven't listened to their full projects. You know, yeah, here and there. It doesn't help that the industry is so single. Yeah, and say though. bands like, don't help with that because they just come out with singles. Yeah, a lot of artists like, will just put a song out, and so a fan listens and they're like, "Oh, cool! This is the song that they have out so far. I really like it." So they think they're a fan, or they're like, "Oh, this person only has three songs out. They have an EP with four songs out." So they they don't think, "Oh, I like this song by this artist. I wonder if they have an album or so out." So they never bother to go check them out because yeah. the industry has become so like short attention span now yeah well they just want to see if you can make a single and make it big and if you don't with hit. that one single then hit. you're done like, make a hit make money make the money bring it in yeah. this is business you're going to make the money you're going to make the hit yeah. it's not about the artistry anymore it's, it's all branding and business yeah it seems like the 50s like i think i've taught i always tell my you know everybody I interview like in the 50s you, you go back to like motown or deca <laughs> or some you know volt and you know all the all these old record labels everything was single oriented back then. So it seems yeah. like we've kind of gone backwards after, you know, Sgt. Pepper started the album. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then you get Pink Floyd, you get Yes, you get all these bands doing these album oriented stuff. You got the singer songwriters, you know, and then you would go listen to the whole Carol King album. You know, you'd listen to, you know, all, all these like great singer songwriters doing these really important ideas that you can't just listen to it as one song. The Grateful Dead, like yeah, dead, epic yeah. stories. I mean, music <laughs> yeah. comes and goes in phases, though. I mean, like even if you look at any genre in general, yeah. like rock has always been king, but rock has faded in and out of style. Right now, it's kind of out of style in the mainstream, but it's starting to come back. I think. So you, you see that, like whether it's yeah. a single mindset, full albums, you know, release types, or just music style in general, it, it history repeats itself. Yeah, I've been interviewing a lot of rock bands, I and mean, I, I interviewed a rock band. That was like a new wave band from Sweden. Yeah. That had actually been around during the new wave movement. 
right? And then they, they kind of disappeared. One of their guys became a big producer. And then suddenly they realized like New Wave is kind of having a resurgence like all yeah. over the world because like synthesizer companies like Profit and Moog, they were out of business in during right. the heavy metal era. And now they came back. And so once they came back, all these great synthesizers exist again. And so right. pe- people have been actually creating that kind of music again because they you can create it. And, and so now it's actually starting to creep back into, you know, the, the whole industry. And now you're getting people who are doing that, that kind of album oriented, you know, vibe oriented stuff. That's not just one song. You have to kind of feel the whole record. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm very encouraged by that because I keep on, you know, talking to a lot of bands. And a lot of them are coming from, you know, Europe and, and you know, Belgium and, uh, you know, Sweden, Norway, Netherlands, Australia, but there's a scene that, that seems to be coming back. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm very encouraged. And I, I like the scene that you guys are in, the kind of, that kind of, you know, New York vibe, the CBGB kind of feel of bands being like, you know, what the Talking Heads used to do. And um, yeah, just that kind of feel, like the Blondie kind of feel that, you know, when they were originally kind of punk new wave sound. Um, yeah, it just feels authentic. It feels Thank like you. something that you want to, you know, dive into not just one song at a time, but like the whole. <laughs> yeah, like when you listen to Renegade all the way through, and 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 listen to it like I'm listening to it like like you know an audio an album is like reading a novel. It's like an audio a sonic painting, you know. And and to me, it's like some of the fans today seem to have lost that interpretation. But some fans are starting to understand that that's what it is, and sure. they're coming back. And I think people have time now. That I've I've read some statistic that people are listening to more new bands mm-hmm. during coronavirus than any other time. Uh, yeah, so people are looking for entertainment. Time. They're bored. Yeah, they've already listened to their yeah. album yeah. twenty times. They want something yeah. new. They're finally yeah. willing to try something new. Yeah, so I think we've got a chance as indie musicians to really kind of you know t- tap into that. For sure. So it's cool that you guys are out there. You've got your Patreon. You're doing the live stuff. Um, You've got a new project out. You know, physically, people should go out, check out your website, pick up your merch. Like we've always say to all the artists, um, people who listen to when, when we're talking to artists, if you really want to support an artist, don't just stream their work. Buy their albums, buy their merch, support them on their Patreons. So we we feel that, you know, that you guys are, are deserving of that kind of support. So everybody who listens to this episode, please go out and um, – and do it for Forest Hills, please. <laughs> thank you. We're thank thank you for being on the program again, and we we we're gonna put this out like we always do, and we'll we'll be pushing it on our social media, and and, and you guys want to come back anytime you have a project. Let us know. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for so having much. Us. You're awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good night. You, you too. too.